<laughs> I'm gonna put that one for sure. <laughs> Not a mas. Oh, Seth. Definitive song. What song? Are you ready? Galope. <laughs> 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 oh my god okay i think we just, we have, just... You seen, have you seen the guy feigning to that song the, which like one? the the galopera which is the longest galopera you can do no and the guy like go and he faints <laughs> <laughs> that is a yeah that's i mean google it it's funny i will Galope. okay all right i think it's enough welcome people hello Hello. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you already started like that like once. Okay. No, we uh, were supposed to have more music because we didn't have enough music last mm-hmm. episode. So I could have sung the whole Frontiers album by Journey. Yeah. And it would still not be enough because we didn't have mm-hmm. music the last episode. Yeah, I remember we said it was going to be the musical episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, hope you guys are ready for that. This is going to be our version of The Nightmare Cometh. So, you're welcome. And I, as always, am a mixture of Dennis and Charlie. So, there is that. Who are you? Mm. Uh, I happen to be Carol. And I am Stephanie. And this is Suspiria True Crime Podcast. Where we cover every... Latin American crime, hopefully, someday. Someday we'll be able, we even be. if we're like 100 by then. Yeah. And you can barely hear us because we're going to be I deaf. Mean, so it's, It is an endless mill of content for us, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, what are we talking about today, Steph? So, today we are talking about a case that is very interesting. And I think it's still very relevant to today's news because you know it's something that happens um nearly every day in america and um in other countries but it's probably not um at the same proportion but still happens unfortunately so we're talking Mm -hmm. about uh what became known as the death squad uh they were a group of police officers commanded by this dude Corporal Bruno, a.k.a. Cabo Bruno, who terrorized mm-hmm. lower-income communities in Sao Paulo during the early 80s. Although he uh, was suspected of killing around 50 people at the time of his arrest, Cabo Bruno could have killed up to 100 people. So. Very, very uh, heartwarming and uplifting content. Yes, yes, as usual. So, um... As you guys know, we have, like, the military police in Brazil, yada, yada. They're soldiers, mm. corporals, yada, yada. Mi- million rankings. Oh, yeah. uh, however, corporal, a.k.a. Cabo Bruno, was not a corporal. He was mm. a soldier, like a regular soldier. He was studying to um, rise in ranking. Mm. But he already, like, made people call him Cabo Bruno. So... Get a feel of this dickhead. So yes. So I just wanted to like make. I'm that not clear. a doctor yet. It's like the people. Have you ever seen it? That like they just got into med school and it's like they put the like on their Instagram handles like 
one sixteenth doctor. Yeah, like <laughs> like you're like as if you so know. that's like exactly the type of person he is. So, yep. I think we had one pe- one person like that already. That like he barely went to like law school. I think it was the Garen Yun's guy. Yes, that, like, it was him. Yeah. yeah, he wore like the class ring when he like didn't even graduate. Yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. Any fucking way. Mm-hmm. Everything is connected. <laughs> oh, oh, if only you knew, Carol. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just a reminder. This story has a uh, upcoming. Um. Oh my God! How's it called? Plot twist that I don't know about. Yeah. Steph for, I, I I didn't read this outline because Steph just for forbid. She was like, "You cannot read this." So it's you gonna be a surprise for it. me. I don't know what the story is about. Yes. Yeah, um, usually we're both on the same page, but there's only one page here, because I don't know. Yes, so, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Florisvaldo de Oliveira was... Florisvaldo. Is that is that Bruno? Florisvaldo? You'll see. <laughs> what a sad, sad name. Anyways. Carol, don't bully people. Cannot stop me. Florisvaldo de Oliveira was born on November 18th, 1958, in Ocho, Ushoa, Ushoa? Ushoa. Ushoa, São Paulo. Again. <laughs> As usual. When when he was a small child, his family moved to the town of Catanduva, where, where he would live for several years. As a kid, his friends started teasing him and comparing him to the town alcoholic, nice, since both him and the man were freckled gingers. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> if there's a thing that will get you bullied, well, at least up up until the 90s, which is when I grew yeah. up in Brazil, is being a ginger, because there's not a lot of gingers in Brazil, no, so they are yeah. not very kind. Mm-hmm. So that man's name was Bruno, and Florisvaldo would become known as Bruno by everyone. Even his mom called him Bruno. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I changed my mind. <laughs> Florisvaldo. I think Bruno's a better name than Florisvaldo. <laughs> Go yeah. figure, right? Yes. Fucking, yeah. So as a late teen slash young adult, Bruno started doing old jobs and working as a painter. Mm-hmm. A painter, like painter, like wall painter. Yeah, right? like a, a house okay. painter, not like not mm-hmm. like an artist. <laughs> the artist yeah, Van no. Gogh that became a serial. No, 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 no. He was painting yeah. houses. It was then that he was advised by an acquaintance to join the police force, seeing the prospect of a much better future in that career. Of course, he signed up, and it was eventually accepted into the force at around the age twenty, in nineteen seventy eight. Peak fucking dictatorship, man. Yep. Uh, He worked in his hometown for a couple years before he was transferred to the capital, Sao Paulo. By his own admission, Bruno wasn't quite familiar with the life in the big city and what being a police officer meant in a city as big as Sao Paulo. While back in Catanduva, he felt empowered by his job and position. In Sao Paulo, he he felt that his work had no purpose. He states that he felt a high sense of impunity because himself and other officers worked their asses off to make arrests only to see the perpetrators walk out a short period of time later. This would empower him to enact change and even even if it meant that other people would lose their lives. 
Yeah, so uh, mm-hmm. trigger happy cop. That is just me, what myself, we... the arm of the law. Me, yeah, mm-hmm. me, the law it's himself. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what we need, guys. Um, mm-hmm. in the middle of the dictatorship, <laughs> as if people aren't be- getting their asses handed to them by cops, especially no, poor people. Enough. That was not enough because they survived. That's the big problem. Yes, that was yeah. not enough. And yeah, like, so he like, because there wasn't uh, a single, well, no, not a single. There were a couple of interviews with him, but there was like a big, big interview where he was like, yeah, so I moved to the big city and I saw all these people using drugs and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what the fuck? And like, no one respected me. I wore a uniform and no one <laughs> respected me. I'm like. The fuck? Yeah, because people don't fucking like authority. They do really expect like expect to be like fucking like it's the middle of dictatorship. Like exactly, they look at you and they see the dictatorship. Of course, they don't fucking like you. Like yeah, so but that was his train of thought going mm-hmm. into the police force. So while on the surface it might seem that Bruno's motivation was completely altruistic, truth was very different from there. Uh, Bruno would troll the Jardim Angela and Pedreira bairros, as well as the slum in Jardim Selma. Not sure if you know any of those places, Carol. Um, I do. Right now, they're not like the worst, but not the best. You know? Yeah. Like Jardim Angela. Every Most of the Jardins are bad. Except for the actual Jardins. There's the Jardins, and then there's Jardim Angela, Jardim Miriam, Jardim Marajoara, which is where I'm from. It's like it's not the worst, but it's not like you know the richest part yeah. of town. Even though the like Georgina Madrid, where I'm from, it's like it's all right. You know, it's not uh, awful. It's not like you know a slum, yeah, or uh, low income neighborhoods like you know upper middle class. But it's not like you know there's some parts of São Paulo you go like wow, which is Georgina's, but Georgina Angela, it's all right. Like it's. Mm. But, I mean, Yerjin Selma sounds a little worse, and, yeah. Yeah, so, um, the way they describe Yerjin Selma is that as is, is a slum that was called mm-hmm. Yerjin Selma. But never been there, so I wouldn't know. And he often heard the complaints of business owners uh, due to the amount of times that they had been robbed. Um, so, he would offer to find out who were, who were the perpetrators and make sure that they were punished as long as the business owners agreed to pay whatever price he was asking them to. So, mm-hmm. he was basically, like, creating a mini militia, which is a very common in, like, slums in Brazil. Like, mm-hmm. every slum has one. But the catch was... If the business owner was unwilling to pay the price or hesitated in moving forward with the deal, because, you know, not everybody, like, wants other people to get their Mm -hmm. life beaten out of them. Like, maybe they're just venting their frustrations. And it's like, it sounds like this is what happened a lot of times. People would just vent to him because he was, you know, such an approachable guy or whatever. (laughs) And he would take that as um, an invitation to, like, offer up his services which mm-hmm. wasn't always what people wanted so if they uh didn't want to pay the price or they were like uh no thanks their businesses would suddenly be targeted in multiple robberies to follow oh boy. so yeah so bruno described himself as a vigilante while many would go on to state that he killed because he quote-unquote hated criminals um mm. 
evidence suggests that he targeted people who fit a quote-unquote profile. If you've been a listener of ours for a while, you already know that colorism and racism are, like, very prevalent in our dear country. Like, like, especially during the dictatorship period. Um, And the majority of the identified victims of Bruno and his death squad were black and brown men who lived in these lower-income neighborhoods. He was also very much against tattoos and associated them with criminals, which is something that a lot of people in my own family feel. They... um, Mm. They dislike tattoos because even my dad, like, my dad only knows about one of my tattoos and he, like, was not happy about it. Like, I had to change the subject because he associated, like, it's just the way that people Mm. back then were raised. Like, it's really stupid, but Mm. it's just like, you see a tattoo, because most people back then got tattoos in prison. So Mm. it wasn't like a thing, you know? Yeah. yeah, so he um, associated the, the tattoos with criminals. So one of his victims died for the simple fact that he had a cross tattooed on his wrist. Oh, come on. Yep. Uh, a cross, out of all things. A cross. Uh, so he didn't, like, he didn't care that it was, like, a religious thing. He just felt like that meant that that person mm-hmm. was bad. Uh, many of his victims were known in their neighborhoods as upstanding citizens. They died regardless. One of these victims was Jairo Costa, a man with no criminal record whatsoever, who worked at the telephone company of Sao Paulo, which I, as I was researching this, I'm guessing it's like Verizon back then. Um, he was kidnapped with one of his friends. They were taken to a secluded location and were shot in the chest. His family had been living on the same street for at least the past two generations. So, like, people knew that they weren't, like, criminals or anything like that. And yeah, he still and died. Didn't nothing at all, probably. Yep. But, you know, the only crime is to be poor and be, you know, black in the fucking, the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know. Yeah. And it's like so sad because I saw a, a news piece like from back then and his dad is being interviewed and his dad's like crying. He's like, this is fucking ridiculous. My son like has never done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Like you can ask anybody here. They, they've all known my family for years mm-hmm. and years. I grew up on the street. Like what the fuck? And what's fucked up so they can't just be like, you know, fuck the police. Cause it, it, you can't say that. Exactly. Yeah. You get killed too. So like, you know, mm-hmm. Mm. So according to an identified police officer who worked as a driver for Bruno, actually, uh, the death squad was compo- composed of around 12 police officers, but the drive-bys and kidnappings usually involved three officers who played different roles. One of them would interrogate the accused, another one would uh, do the killing, and the third one, Bruno, was in charge of sentencing, quote-unquote. Bruno's drive-bys were usually done in a chevette, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most Brazilian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or a Maverick or a Opala. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All different colors. Though he acted as the ringleader throughout these drive-bys, it's rumored that police captains, lieutenants, and sergeants were also involved. However... Bruno chose to take the blame for everything rather than snitching. Because snitches get stitches. Ha ha ha. When investigations on the case were initiated, 
Higher-ups in the police force allegedly destroyed evidence and forced lower-ranking officers to cooperate uh, in the scheme. Yep. Not a stretch at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. Mm-mm. Yeah, there, there's no proof the of that, but there's a lot of talk about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, not a stretch at all. So Bruno typically went out to prey on his vic- victims on his days off. Uh, there's only two known survivors of his killing spree. The first one is José Aparecido Benedito, who was shot and played dead and managed to escape. Jesus freaking Christ, man. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, the, tri- the time frame in which he was shot is unknown, but the same anonymous driver who, me- who we mentioned earlier did state that in order to check whether the victims were dead or not, uh, Bruno instructed his minions to poke the bullet wounds with a pin. <laughs> so it makes you wonder if he did that, and you know, after that, just I made out alive. Yeah, you know. <sighs> Most of the murders committed by the death squad occurred in 1982. The outstanding number of bodies found riddled with bullets caused panic throughout the neighborhoods, quote unquote, watched. Bruno. Yeah. So they're like, oh shit, there's a serial killer on the loose and you don't fucking expect there's the police. Yeah. That's terrifying. So in March of that same year, uh, 1982, at 23, Bruno was pointed by witnesses as having killed minor Claudio Pasternak Batista, mm. who was only 16. He was murdered right next to an amusement park that was near Jardim mm-hmm. Selma on February 6, 1982, while hanging out with one of his friends, uh, Marcos José Barbosa. Marcos managed to escape without being shot. He actually, like, ran as they were, like, shooting him. I yeah. The murder garnered public attention when a newspaper wrote a piece on it on August 7th. At that time, uh, Bruno had been called to the Homicide, Defi- homicide Division of Dake which I don't know mm-hmm. what that stands for, but I'm just guessing it's a police department. Where department enduring <laughs> is special with an I crimes. Is special crimes. <laughs> I special. Anyway, uh, where he obviously denied any involvement with the crimes. Like, what the fuck, guys? Like, I'm one of you. What are you talking about? Like, do you think I'm really killing all these poor people? Um, <laughs> do you think me the arm of the law exactly me, like, uh-huh. of all I people the law. guys would die now come yeah. on of all people me so on that same day that he came in uh, to the department uh, a piece came out um, on this on this whole thing and the suspicion that Bruno was also involved in 15 additional homicides in the same region of Sao Paulo despite all of that a mere three months after the investigation started, Bruno resumed his job in the Catanduva Police Department because they didn't have jack shit on him. So he can terrorize his own turf now. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So District Attorney Paulo Alvaro Chaves Martins Fontes requested um, his temporary arrest in June of 1983, which was denied by Judge Evaldo Fernandes de Araújo. Fuck that guy. He appealed the decision attorney, though. He was not done with this. He appealed the decision, Mm -hmm. and on September 19th, the decision was overturned by the Justice Department. At that time, 
As reported by uh, the newspaper Noticias Populares on October 7th, there were already 34 ongoing separate investigations on Bruno. He was arrested at last on September 22nd and charged with over 20 murders. Bruno initially only confessed to Claudio's murder, but he would, um, following that, he would confess to another five murders. Mm-hmm. Certain residents of the neighborhoods in which he acted still to this day state that when he was around, people didn't feel as unsafe as they do now. <laughs> Karen just is looking at me like, what the fuck? But you know how some people can be. I... Yeah, these people can suck my dick, honestly. Yep. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people say. Uh, just pause that dictatorship times like you're only afraid of it you're only like scared if you're a criminal yeah but i mean we covered enough dictatorship stories Mm -hmm. to fucking debunk that and there's you know a famous one we haven't covered i don't think we ever will because it's kind of sad it's when three um kids were like in prison and tortured because they were communists Yep. Basically. Mm-hmm. Do you think really think that like it's worth it, you know, to have that kind of thing? Because guys, they're asking for it again. And that's why like it's so fucking unbelievable that, you know. I mean, a lot of people say that it's like, yeah, you know, it's more it's safer and the only thing that really changes is that you have a fucking curfew. You know? Yeah. But it's not. Like it was fucking See, awful. It was, I mean, I didn't live it, but I just cannot imagine that it's just better than just being a fucking free person, you know? The people that I am like closest to, which are my parents <laughs> who lived mm-hmm. throughout that period, they don't like condemn it, but they also don't defend it. It's like weird because my parents were like young adults, like slash like mm-hmm. late, teen- late teens back then. So they don't really remember like a lot of details. Like, if, sometimes I'll ask my mom about it. She'd be like, yeah, I know that there was, like, a curfew or something. But mm-hmm. she says that, like, it didn't personally affect her because she always, like, obeyed the curfew and all of her friends mm-hmm. also did. So she never, like, really met anyone that was kidnapped or, like, forcibly mm-hmm. disappeared. But she doesn't doubt that it happened. Now, I know other people who are not as close to me who be like that's a bunch of bullshit like nobody yeah. was kidnapped blah 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 and i'm like yeah. well how would how would you know for certain like yeah, even with all of these bodies that it. have been found yeah and guys i have been to the place where they actually oh i feel like i said that on every episode but i've been to the place where they actually used to imprison and torture people in sao paulo and dude it's not it's not cute it's not fun like it's I don't even know how to explain it. Like, I can post some pictures of it. Like, if you guys would like, I don't know. Maybe when we get, like, a website or, like, a, a post with, like, the pictures I took. I went there in, like, 2011. I don't even know if it is still open. Like, for visitation. Like, it's a whole museum. They made out of the place that people were tortured. And we're talking about, like, two rooms. Like, two cells that were just filled with people. And the stories that, like, people actually, like, lived uh, when they were, like, through it. It's just, I don't know, like, I just can't understand how there's people that want that again and um, think that it was all right. When you were literally talking about a serial killer 
that squad fucking cops that would just target black people that were just doing nothing and kill Mm -hmm. them yep you know like how is any regimen that permits that kind of thing to just arise and happen better than anything else you know and not for nothing this might be too harsh of me but like people who are in support of like oppressive regimes like this and like Mm -hmm. who deny other people's stories remind me of holocaust deniers like exactly exactly so he was sent to the military prison homongomis and he would remain there for six months until he made a move for it on june 17th of 1984 when he caught soldier Antonio Carmo dos Santos off guard and was able to immobilize him af- before running. Mm-hmm. Fucking run forest. <laughs> run forest well. <laughs> run forest well. inversion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Run forest well to run. I hate you. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, uh, <laughs> He took two hostages and even shot one of them in the neck as he tried to wrestle a gun away from Bruno. But he was eventually recaptured. On December 20th of 1984, he made another attempt of running away. Uh, He was surrounded by cops, but again, he took someone hostage and managed to run. Bruno managed to remain hidden for three months until he was arrested in a hotel in the town of Paragominas which is in the countryside of the state of Pará, which is very fucking far away from Sao Paulo. Yeah. Like, yeah. really far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just went Pará running. <laughs> <laughs> he ran all the way from... No, my God, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, on March... So, he was in Pará in March of... March 22nd of 1985. In true Brazilian fashion... He was arrested while watching a match between Corinthians and the best soccer team in Brazil, according to Stephanie Cruzeiro. Okay, yeah. That is the best. I didn't write this outline stuff. I don't have a soccer team, and I I refuse to partake in this. She just supports my opinion. Uh. (laughs) I will stand by my friend forever. (laughs) What's the read? So, um, his friend, Joseph... His friend. His friend... José Feliciano Bezerra, a.k.a. Canerinho. <laughs> little Lamb. Mary had little a little lamb. lamb. You need a badass cop name. Little Lamb. Come on. <laughs> yeah. He, so he was with him. And according to police reports, he uh, he had played a role in some of the murders ordered by Bruno. Mm-hmm. Since a good son always returns home, he went right back to the Homon Gomes prison. He remained there until December 26, Merry Christmas, 1987, when, you guessed it, he ran away once again. <laughs> they don't have that guy flagged as, like, a flight risk. <laughs> Let's keep an eye on him. I'm, the, I'm but like, I think they just <laughs> left the doors unlocked or something. I mean, it's a military prison. <laughs> For military officers, how bad is it? Is it either really bad or like not bad at all? Either um, or, no in between. I I saw uh, some footage of him like the first time he ran away when he shot the guy in the neck, and it literally looked like looked like my nephew could escape that prison, and mm. my nephew's one. So yeah. So since the police didn't want to admit that they were slacking off security wise, 
they refused to give up details on how he escaped. So Notícias Populares, the um, newspaper. newspaper, decided to announce the prison break with a headline that reads, Cabo Bruno jumped off over a wall and told prison to suck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not like that isn't a literal translation but that that's basically what, is, what they wanted what to it? say oh my god i have to find it no i have to find it hold on okay so the original headline which i translated to something that would make sense in english bread cabo bruno saltou o muro e deu pinoche do presídio <laughs> The basically told him to suck it. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. They had a lot of good. This newspaper had a lot of good <laughs> headlines about him. Like a lot of them. I was very entertained. <laughs> so while on his break from prison, this time, Bruno chased after a boy known as Pirulito. So the boy's name was Lollipop. So he chased after Pirulito, who in 1984 had witnessed. Uh, the death of four boys in a factory. Mm -hmm. Years later, a resident of the area said that Pirulito had witnessed the decapitation of one of the boys. He was due to testify against Bruno in December of 1987 and was shot 15 times to keep him quiet. Yeah. So... Golden times. Back in my day, everything was so much safer. Exactly. So this... this so there there isn't a lot of like details on the murder of these four boys but um on the the piece that i watched um about this case um the guy who owns the building where the factory used to be he says that back then he lived because you know in brazil it's very common for you to own a business and you have a mm -hmm. house behind the business and you live there, mm -hmm. and then you can just go back and forth between your house and your job. So, like, last episode where the whole family lived on the fucking house, and... Yeah. All of them fucking shared the same space. Exactly. So, he yeah. um, he didn't own the factory. Um, I don't think so. Maybe he did. He didn't really say that, but he said that he lived behind the factory. And when mm -hmm. he came into the factory, he saw, like, four bodies like piled on top of Holy another shit. and the pirulito boy had like run for it but then he did say that like he had seen uh he had seen bruno decapitating um one of the boys and the way they describe it well carol has never killed a chicken <laughs> but they I have no they exactly. describe him decapitating the boy the same way you would do with a chicken when you kill a chicken mm. yep so, so Bruno evaded cops until May of 1988 when he was arrested in Araraquara when he was caught sleeping in a bed of breakfast. Oh, he was just chilling, <laughs> taking a nap, and like a bunch of soldiers nice. showed up. Um, officers found him with fake IDs, two handguns, a dagger, and several checkbooks. But as you would expect, he ran away again. In July mm. of 1990. This fucking guy, you thought Ted Bunny was way too much. No, he he had nothing on Capo Bruno. <laughs> Bruno, who was then 32, joined forces with two, his two cellmates and ambushed three guards. While running for it, they took three machine guns, three handguns, and a uh, butt-ton of ammunition. Like, a lot of ammunition. Mm. Our friendly newspaper, Notícias Populares, announced that prison break as 
Cabo Bruno goes to war for obvious reasons because he had a bunch of guns. Mm -hmm. Bruno's final rest happened on May 29th, 1991. This time it was for good. With him were two men. One of them was charged with stalking. Mm -hmm. Like he had been, he was like a known stalker or something. Mm -hmm. And in order to avoid yet another prison break, Judge Francisco José Galvão Bueno. Ha! See? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is there any relation? I don't I don't know if they're related. I know that's the name of the judge. There's a famous oh, no. soccer narrator yeah. in Brazil, guys, called Galvão Bueno. Don't mm -hmm. know if they're related, but that's the name. Of, I wouldn't doubt it because Galvão Bueno's family is, like, pretty rich. And, you know, judges make bank in Brazil, so. Maybe it's, like, his brother or something. Maybe. Yeah, they're both Galvão Bueno. Maybe. Mm -hmm. So the judge decided that Bruno should be sent to the Casa de Custódia, known as Piranhão, which was... Piranhão sounds like a fucking hellhole. <laughs> which was a maximum security <laughs> prison in Taubaté. In the prison, he remained in... Taubaté, also known for the Taubaté pregnant lady to be covered in a, <laughs> in a future episode. Shut the fuck up, <laughs> In the prison... He remained in pretty much solitary confinement for five years, having no contact with other prisoners. It was then that he converted into Christianism and began painting. Knock that out of your bingo card, you guys. Yes, exactly. Now he's a man of God. So, And he also began painting. Now he painted as like an artist, like canvases, oh, not, oh, not okay. walls anymore. No longer walls. So it is Van Gogh is a serial killer. Yes, yes. He also shunned the nickname Cabo Bruno and requested not to be called that anymore. He wanted to be called simply Florisvaldo or Bruno. <laughs> One of the things that Bruno credits his sudden change of heart with is the murder of his nine-year-old son, Bruninho, which happened in or around 1991 when he was drowned by someone, per Bruno's testimony. That's what he said that uh, motivated him to look for God and whatever, that someone came um, wherever his son was and they drowned him. Don't know why, don't oh, know if it it's true. Oh, as it turns out, murder is wrong. Yes. You need to get your own fucking kid killed yes. before you to fucking realize exactly. that. No, that's literally what he said. He was like, oh, up until then, like, I didn't realize that I was causing pain. And then when my son was murdered and it hurts so bad, I realized that, oh, this hurts. Yeah, oh, these people that I killed? Well, there's someone else's kid. Yeah. How dumb how dumb are you? Exactly. I'm so sorry. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. Yep. I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. I'm sorry. So, Bruno underwent 12 different trials. In one of them, several... What a fucking waste. Yeah. In one of the trials, several police officers showed up in an attempt to intimidate the witnesses. You know, like in The Wire, when the mm. drug dealer's like sitting in the back of the room, that's what they were doing. But there was just too much evidence against him, and he was ultimately sentenced to 113 years in prison for 20 of the 50 murders that he was credited with. He would confess to uh, 20 of the murders several years later, according to his second wife. He, he had two wives? Hmm? He got two women to fall in love with him? Yeah, one in prison and one outside of prison. I don't know which one's worse. Hmm? <laughs> I don't know which one's worse. <laughs> well, uh, he also stated that 
quote, the other victims were credited to him but th- because there were people who killed other people and then would then tell survivors or witnesses that their name was Capo Bruno. <laughs> Which makes total sense, right? It does, but like... Yeah, so, and like, it's to the point... Um, wait, let me just finish this sentence. Yeah, someone who killed me told me that their name was Cher, so... I'm going up to share and yeah. fucking share killed me. Yeah. He also stated that he was okay with taking the blame because the m- number didn't make any difference because he was going to prison anyway, so he didn't mm. care. Uh, but there was a thing. So on that same news piece that I mentioned earlier about the mm-hmm. about Jida's dad crying, he was already suspected of being the murderer. But people in the neighborhood always described him differently. And it was to the point where they chased some random ass man to his house. And they're like, yeah, the murderer lives here. And there's like a news piece and they're like recording outside of his house. But the guy had nothing to do with this. (laughs) It wasn't him at all. But it's just like so many rumors, you know. I do believe that maybe some police officers did go around and say, hey, my name's Kyle Bruno or whatever. But I also think that he was just trying to sound like a smart ass. So. Yeah. In 1996, he was transferred to the Centro de Observação Criminológica in São Paulo, where he would stay until 2002. In 1998, an art expo with his paintings took place in the city of São Paulo. After 2002, he was transferred through. You got it, Tremembe, which is our famous near and dear prison, yes. the pet prison of this episode, of this podcast. In 2009, his sentence was commuted into a semi-open sentence. <laughs> Despite this, the justice system did not approve his release good during the day and say that he would be eligible for that in 2017 due to his history with breaks. So it's like, yeah, let's, let's let this guy out and trust that he'll come back. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, yeah. no, we're going to put you on, like, probation mm-hmm. or whatever. However, on August 22nd of 2012, the courts freaking granted him his freedom after 27 years in prison. If you don't count the prison breaks. Mm-hmm. The DA's office based the decision on the law that grants uh, well-behaved prisoners definitive freedom after over 20 years in prison. There were also several testimonies and compliments from prison employees regarding his behavior in prison. Of course, he's a military officer. like He knows how to fucking... Exactly. Yeah, behave. Uh, after getting out, Bruno laminated the warning and granted his freedom. Mm-hmm. That's so something I would do. <laughs> really? Really? Oh, my God. <laughs> so that meme about laminating notes so the tears roll off faster, did you create that? <laughs> uh, um, so he laminated the warrant and the his freedom, which he had on him at all times, along with a list of things that he wanted to do before dying. Yeah, Just he had this little rant. wish list with ten <laughs> things he wanted to do before he died in his pocket at all times. <laughs> like this is dedication. Just like I don't know, I want to skydive. Oh, wait a minute, I'm kind of bored. I wonder what I should do now. Yeah, let me check my list. <laughs> skydive. Like, no, how to do? Learn how to do a cartwheel. Yeah, like <laughs> do that now. Fucking weirdo. 
lemonade in that kind of list though sucks because it's like you can't cross anything out <laughs> no he only no he lemonated only the warrant the list oh, wasn't lemonated okay. yeah <laughs> so it's like it's you can't revision it exactly you can revise it sorry yeah so he stated that uh, when he ran away, the cops always stopped him. But now that he has the proper docum- documentation, he they won't be able to stop, stop him, him anymore. anymore. And he was like laughing when he said it. He was like, haha, see, you can't stop me now. Because <laughs> now I got the paperwork. Grade A jackass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So free at last. Bruno moved in with his wife, Daisy da Silva Oliveira. Whom he had met in prison. She worked as a church missionary and visited several different prisons in order to find us to uh, bring the word of God to those living in there. Which mm-hmm. is very common in Brazil because everybody thinks that everybody wants to hear about God, which is not always true. As if they didn't fucking know. Mm-hmm. It's Brazil. We 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 have religion <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, you are born in religion. Yep. <laughs> fucking yeah. So when they got married in July of 2008, Bruno had already, already established himself as a f- pastor within the prison itself. Mm-hmm. So he was a known pastor at the prison. Keep reading, Carol. <laughs> One of his most loyal followers. Jesus Christ. Carol, keep reading. <laughs> this is the only reaction that you can have about this. I'm already having no reaction. I didn't fucking read it yet. <laughs> she's not okay, guys. You can't see her, but she's not fine. No, no. If you can see my distress sounds now, hear my distress sounds. So, one of his most loyal followers inside of Terminbear was Linda Berg Alves. Which we're just gonna Linde, leave this there. Linda, fucking. Oh my god. Yep. Please, I this fucking guy, guys. That's it. No more comments. Forward to episode fucking 50. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, but he was like no his comment. little puppy, like a lap puppy. He loved him. He was like, he literally adored Cabo Bruno. I don't even know how to comment. I don't even know <laughs> what to say. Insert comment here. This is, oh my God. What are the odds, right? I am, I mean, you're hoping for a fucking reaction. I'm just speechless. <laughs> yeah, what are, I mean, of course, they're all in t- Trim and Bear, right? It's mm-hmm. all the high-profile cases. Mm-hmm. Jesus. <sighs> Once out of prison, he was officiated as a pastor and worked in the community. Worked with the community while trying to keep a low profile. Mm-hmm. While returning home from a church service on September 26th, 2012, at around 11.30 p.m., Bruno's car was ambushed in front of his house. Two men surrounded the car and shot exclusively at him 20 times. He died right then and there, and thus was not taken to a hospital. After his death, his family auctioned off a bunch of his paintings in order to move away and rebuild their lives in a different location undisclosed probably mm-hmm. and this happened only 35 days after he got out of prison so he yeah. had it coming that sounds like a 
faction-based stuff. Yeah, so one of the... I, I don't remember if he was a judge or, like, a district attorney, but he, like, said, he had, like, a, he worked on the case since the 80s, and he, like, gave an interview saying that, like, he knew that Bruno was going to die. Like, he knew mm-hmm. it for a fact that yeah. they had it coming for him. But you know what? Too bad. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can always feel, almost feel sad about it. I mean, I feel bad for his family because um, they had to like yeah. up and leave, you know. I mean, I feel. I mean, it's good because they can. They had a chance to restart. You know, a lot of families don't. That is very true. And um, so, yeah. on this piece that I saw, um, which is with that reporter, um, Jason something that was just found to mm-hmm. like be like a major fucking creepy asshole who was like sexually harassing women he was the one who did the piece on Capo Bruno back when Mm -hmm. he people didn't know that he was a fucking weird ass Mm -hmm. creepy rapist wannabe um but he like interviewed his wife like before Bruno was uh killed and she was like yeah like we don't want people to know because we don't want people like trying to lynch us we're just trying to live our lives yada Mm -hmm. yada and like i feel bad but at the same time i don't know i i don't know if it's just like i can't understand people who see good in like people like bruno but it's it's just strange to me like to think that someone would like want to marry him and like build a family like i don't know maybe i'm just a bad person but yeah i mean i feel like it's almost like self-esteem. Um, yeah. is an issue because she probably, like... It's not that she has a low self-esteem. Yeah. But having, like, a project... In the, I mean, the project is the person and, you know, making sure that the person becomes the best person that they can be. It's a, it's a personal project that elevates the self-esteem of a person. True. You know? Yeah. So it's, like, it's a bad guy that he is secluded isolated in a prison mm-hmm. and you know that he's getting out someday but you have a little bit of time to like you know work on him and make sure that everything is kind of okay so it's not like dangerous mm-hmm. and like i mean you you oversee that that he's a fucking serial killer that he actually killed people but you don't and you kind of like it. separate yeah yeah i mean you believe it but it's like if you actually believe that by believing in god and you know surrendering to jesus and all that like that the person is like born again reset button boop like it makes sense if you're working within that mindset yeah so maybe like because we're not like in that uh we don't have that kind of thought you know yeah like if you killed if you killed that many people um i don't think that you can change you know what i mean there's not much hope right yeah because it doesn't matter like you're still you're still kind of dangerous like you ran from prison like you, you are not a good guy you know, but I mean, so that's why I think we don't understand it because we just don't have we our brain just doesn't work that way. The, we don't have that setting on it. Yeah, and like while I was researching this, one thing that came to my mind is okay, we know that there were uh, approximately fifty, uh, maybe upwards to a hundred victims, uh, mm. fatal victims. But what about the non-fatal ones? Like, 
What about yeah, what about the families? Yeah, like, no. What about the f- it, people he, he fucking terrorized? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What about people he just like beat the shit out of them and like mm-hmm. not necessarily killed them? Yeah. And I, I'm guessing those people never came forward because we haven't heard of it. He's dead. They could have said something. Mm-hmm. They're probably still scared. So. Yeah. And not to mention, like, just, you know, young men that just vanish. And he, family doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Family's not taken seriously by the police because, yeah, he just ran away. Yeah, and you're poor, kind of so That's already fuck an issue you. now. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like. Exactly. Different times, but same issues in a way. Yeah. So, this horrible case with its plot twist and all, <laughs> brought to you by Stephanie. And mm-hmm. shocking And with Carol. a Carol seal of approval, because that was I did not see that coming at all. I didn't yeah. either. Like, I had no idea. And then I was like, wait yeah, a minute. Yeah. I was like, why does that sound familiar? And I was like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, you know, the light came out. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Did I read that? That right? guy that we mentioned, guys, uh, we're gonna be covering his case pretty soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, watch out for that. It's our next next like batch of cases that we're yes. researching, which is such a coincidence, right? We didn't plan for that. At exactly. All. So like, I had yeah, no idea. Dude, perfect. Yeah. Crazy. So that's cool. That's interesting. It's like our minds are in sync. Cause like I had, I had this like I literally am looking. I have like a sticky note with cases mm-hmm. that I want to research, and this is literally the second to last case on my list. And for mm-hmm. some reason, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna research this <laughs> today. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna research this, and then boom, crazy. So how was your week? My week, um. That's how it was. Mm-hmm. My week was all right. Um, what did I do yeah. this week? Nothing. I worked as usual. Um, I listened to a bunch of Andre Mato songs because my favorite singer mm, from yeah. Brazil died, guys. So I was like very depressed. Um, what else? I got really drunk last night. Still a little bit hungover. I'm always like, always like, I'm not an alcoholic, but it's what exactly what an alcoholic would say. <laughs> listen, my mom now listens to this. Like... She, if my mom comes in <laughs> and has a talk with me about this, Carol, I will kill you. More on this next week. <laughs> More on this. Yeah, no, but like, it's because my sister got me this like spinning wheel of fortune, but it's for shots. <laughs> <laughs> so we were playing and we were playing at the Dunyam. Oh, you didn't paste uh the Dunyam, okay. We yeah. were playing at also known as Stop in Sao Paulo. What's the name of the Dunyam in English? Do they have a game like that? I don't like think that? they have the equivalent. I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. So it's basically a game where you write like different categories of things so you can be like, okay, mm-hmm. a singer, a city, whatever. As many categories as you Animal, want. Foods, yeah, car and models kind of thing. Exactly, and then like you um, have to, you don't pick which letter of the alphabet. Everybody mm-hmm. like throws their fingers, and you just count 
how many fingers and whichever letter of the alphabet that is, that's the letter mm -hmm. that you're doing. So let's say if we do A, so name, Amanda, car, what's a car with A? Ultima, like all, <laughs> all of that. And mm -hmm. you get like 10 points for each. And if you... Mm -hmm. hey, like the first one that finishes all the categories yeah everyone else yells I mean, at least for me yell stop and then everybody has to stop exactly and then you count the points and whoever has more points when the game ends. exactly and whoever we the way we we're playing is whoever lost had to take shots and obviously knowing the amount of useless information that i do i didn't <laughs> lose once but yeah on the wheel of fortune <laughs> <laughs> that was another thing but I wasn't taking, like, I was taking tequila shots, and I was mm -hmm. drinking, like, vodka with Sprite, and then I had Grateful Deads, and, you know, and that's how the night went, mm -hmm. on and on. And then I was super hungover today, so. My week was kind of shitty, to be honest. I mean, it was alright. Why was it I shitty? Guess. I don't know if I want to say it. Just one thing happened that just completely destroyed my hopes in the universe. Another band I like, Keen. You know when I said I was gonna kill myself if they didn't come to Florida. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not. They're not coming anywhere near this one plant. So I'm like kind of upset. Are they coming to, to Boston? Them. You can come stay they're with coming, me. They're coming. They're coming to New York and LA. Two shows in the U.S. and that's it. So I was kind of upset. They came out with one song this week that was. When is the concert? Okay. I have no idea. They sold out in like no. 10 minutes. So I wouldn't have gotten it anyway. But yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that they're going to come back like later, you know? Because mm -hmm. they always do like two rounds of yeah. like, shows. I... So, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. But yeah, I was kind of upset. But yeah, I mean, what else happened to me this week? Just random, you know, regular anxiety depression issues yeah. yeah so i mean it's some weeks are worse than others yeah i have made a decision that i'm gonna see every band that i like that comes to boston regardless of whether i have to go by myself or not like with andre matt I've, I've gone to a concert by myself before it was awful but uh, actually i've gone to two concerts by myself um with andre matters i don't think he came to boston i i don't believe he has been in Boston since I've been living here for the past 10 years. So I wouldn't have had a chance to see him. But like a lot of bands that I like that no longer exist have come to Boston and I didn't see them. Like him. Him is one of my all-time favorite bands. Like I have a, a Zeppelin tattoo, but it was supposed to be a him tattoo. And I mm. changed my mind like on the spot. Like I love him and him ended in mm -hmm. 2017. So I'm never going to see them again. Yeah. So now I need to see every band that I like. So if anyone wants to be a concert buddy of <laughs> mine in Boston, you have to, one, not be a little bitch. Don't complain that you don't like the music. And two, don't be like, uh, is it I was over again? I hate people who are like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't know, I got upset because of the whole concert concert thing, but like, I don't know, life goes on, you know? But I'm still... I want to go to more concerts, you know? Yeah, me too. But it's too. just that Keen, it's so nice, the concerts, it's like, it's always so tame, you know? It's just literally just the music, and it's all, like, 40-year-olds that like it. Because they were, like, they had one song that was popular in the 90s. 
So it's literally the 40-year-olds and, like, the kids that grew up listening to it. Me. You know I what I mean? Like two of their yeah. songs. So, I mean, it's fun. And, like, it's funny because Matthew had never seen, like, the band, like, the picture of them or whatever. And they're like, this is just a bunch of dads. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they it literally looks like dad's band that just, like hangs out in the garage jamming like it's what they look like it's funny so yeah i don't know i'm not surprised if do not you get weird looks though when you go to their concert like like def leppard is like my favorite band mm-hmm. right but they were big in the 80s so everybody who like was super into them is my dad's age mm-hmm. so whenever i go to like one of their concerts people's people are looking <laughs> at me like first of all you're not white so why do you like this music <laughs> second of all you're too young to be here and yeah. i'm like bitch no i mean i got that's one of them that got super weird looks because i went with my parents and it was they were actually opening for maroon 5 and so we went to maroon 5 concert to see keen and so we're the only fans there you know what i mean who knew all their yeah, songs all their so- <laughs> and people are like who the f- like what's happening like they're more confused with the band and with the people yelling at you know what i mean so i don't know <laughs> but it was funny because we it was like super luck that we uh we were like you know sitting right not sitting but standing right next to like the fan club of keen that went there for the same purpose so it was like a little cluster of people and we're just like clustering together yeah so it was fun and one of them had like a big like frog like plushie that she wanted to throw on stage it was like huge i'm like how did you pass through security with this thing (laughs) it was funny but yeah i mean it was fun so that's why i wanted to go like again because yeah, the last I one, really... the last Keen concert I went was in 2013, which is the last rounds that they make. So they were like inactive for like so long, you know, yeah. six years without new songs, and I'm still listening to them every day. Meaning that the music is good. Exactly, yeah. I really wanted to pay to meet uh, Def Leppard, but it's mm. so expensive. Um, like I wish bands would just make mm-hmm. it more affordable like i do not have six hundred dollars yeah. but i really want to meet you <laughs> i don't think i have anyone that i'm like fans like fan of the person you know what i mean like keen like i like the music and i think it's fun whatever but like i i don't, I don't know their names <laughs> you know what i mean really i mean i know it, but like I... I don't know like you know like i follow them on instagram whatever but it's like not like you know um if i met them it'd be like no whatever the problem with me is I don't know how to be, like, a regular fan. I have to be, like, a crazy. So, I'm like, I need to know everything about your life. Tell me your what mother's did you star sign. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, I'm like that. Um, but, yeah. So, I wish it was... I've paid to meet a few celebrities. But I really wish I could meet um, Def Leppard. Oh, my God. If Jimmy Page ever went on tour... I would literally kill myself. I wouldn't, but I would go. I, uh, like, I would so, I would so go see, like, Jimmy Page, Steve Perry, who is uh, the singer from Journey, mm-hmm. who was, like, my second, well, him and Andre Matos were my favorite singers, because mm-hmm. Andre Matos was from Brazil and Steve Perry from here. Like, he put out new music recently, so I'm like, please go on tour so I can go see you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Page, mm-hmm. Robert Plant, like, Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin, he tours, but, like, never in Boston. So I was like, New York City. Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't like New York City. I want to go 
to like the House of Blues in Boston or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. I mean, what so. sucks about Florida is that I feel like if you're touring like on bus, it's just everything is so spread out. Like it sucks because you have Miami like in the bottom, mm-hmm. and then like Orlando in the middle, <laughs> and then like question marks like up top, you know. And for yeah. you to get to Orlando, you have to go through like 14 hours of nothing basically you know so it's like so out of the way you know so i think that's why they don't film around here i know because i had to drive out of florida and it was fucking awful man it takes forever to get out like yeah we drove all all the way to texas i feel like getting out of florida took longer like psychologically than just getting to texas it's because florida is like so big too it's big and it's like just you know plain 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 that was a fun trip, man. Like, we stopped at a place, a restaurant stop. The name of the city was Yeehaw. Like, Yeehaw Junction. <laughs> it does make sense that it's in Florida. Um. So, Yeehaw Junction. It's a real place, guys. Look it up. I've been there. Yeehaw Junction. Now me, I drive an hour and I'm already out of Massachusetts. <laughs> I drive four hours. I'm in New York City. Not that I want to be there. It With just me, happens. To I can be drive there. one one hour to north, one hour south, one hour west. It's East. the same shit. Like it's the same things. So nowhere, nowhere. But it has its advan its advantages. Yeah, Disney, so. which is fucking expensive, and I can never go. That's the only thing. The outlets, which I don't enjoy going. What else? What else do I have here that I like? What is your favorite thing about Florida? The 10 days of winter that we have. Hmm. What is your least favorite thing about Florida? The sun. (laughs) The sun? The sun and how everything is like spread out. So it's like you can it, it, I don't know, I just imagine a um parking lot that has been cooking for hours and you get out of the car and you have to walk to a fucking store like fucking hot asphalt and your life is that. It's basically me, you know. Like it's it's hot and it's miserable and you're sweating. He's the humidity and fucking I I don't enjoy Florida as a state. As a place. Like, I just, I don't like it. Hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of mine. I think my favorite thing about Massachusetts is, although Boston is known for being quite a racist, um, it's a place where I feel feel safe as both a woman mm-hmm. and a, a woman of color, as both a woman of color and as an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Like, where I feel safe, uh, like obviously there's still like a bunch of like assholes, because mm-hmm. assholes are everywhere. But, it's not but I don't feel like at least where I live, um, Western Massachusetts is more like hick. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but where I live, like near the big city, I don't feel like people are looking at me and thinking, "Hmm, mm-hmm. where are you from?" You know what I mean? Or like, "Why are you here?" It's just like I'm just there. Yeah, you know. I mean, I feel like Am that I... too, but I feel like it's more like I'm more passing. Even like when I'm talking, I don't have that much of an accent. 
Like, even though, like, you, you notice if you have a conversation with me, but if I'm just, like, you know, at Publix or whatever, like, it's not, Yeah, no, you know, but even but, that, because, you know. like, I go out with my family, we don't speak English mm-hmm. in front of people. We're just, like, Burr. and, like, it, that's also something here. You hear, like, a million different languages, and no one's, like, mm-hmm. why are they not speaking? Like, you don't, like, I've never seen one of those, the speak English, you're in America things mm-hmm. happen here. Um both like to myself and when I worked um in the service industry, like people were just like, Okay, guess they're not from here, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh now my least favorite thing, it's expensive. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, my least favorite thing. Well, I don't like the winters, but I don't think that would prevent me from living here. Mm-hmm. Probably expensive too expensive, expensive for what you're getting like you don't get your money's worth mm-hmm. like you live in a shack and it's like two thousand dollars <laughs> rent yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah so it's funny like i feel like here it's not as expensive as still like everything is so old that you know it's, yeah i feel bad paying that much but i mean it's hard finding a place to live here exactly and like i'll look at sam's home state of texas <laughs> and like look at houses like two hundred thousand dollars buys like a big ass house in texas and here you're lucky if you buy a condo for two hundred thousand dollars like it's crazy mm-hmm. yeah very expensive hmm. very expensive mm-hmm. <sighs> I should be doing homework, say but I didn't do it. I can't prepare something I would say, but I forgot. Shoutouts. Shoutouts. So, shoutouts this friggin' week go to Gil, Vanderlei, Megan, and Jess, who liked us on Facebook. And I didn't see it until now, so, I mean, it should have been last week. So, special shoutout to you, Jess, because we didn't see it. Because Facebook eats notifications sometimes. And the city that we're shouting out this week is Bangkok, Thailand. Who, why are you listening to us, Bangkok, Thailand? I appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you for yeah. doing that. Yeah, that's interesting. We have so many countries, guys, listening oh, to Oh, I know so who it is. Ooh. I know who it is in Thailand. Ooh. Can you say Oh, David. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah. So shout out to David. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't cut out his last name. <laughs> okay, David. Beep. All right. Yeah. No, well, he's the only person that I know who lives in Thailand, mm-hmm. and he has commented that he listens to our podcast. No, I know. Before, David's so. been listening to us for like a year now. I mean, we are a year old, but he's been listening to us for a while because we look at all the, um, how's it called? Names of the people. If you pop up, we know you. We know you listeners. So, yeah. I uh, hope you guys have... Oh, my God. My phone's fucking vibrating. You want to see that? <sighs> hope mm-hmm. you guys have a good um, week. I was going to say rest of the week, but it's fucking Monday for you guys. So, yeah. <laughs> hope you guys have a good week. <laughs> and? And a good end of the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. See you next time, bitches. Ciao. Yeah, ciao. Thank you for listening to another episode of Suspiria, a true crime podcast. If you are a creep and enjoy listening to all of that horrible information, 
Please check out our previous episodes and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram as Suspiria Podcast. Facebook is also Suspiria Podcast. If you want to follow Carol, you can follow her at Suspiria Carol. And you can follow me at eu.steph. Note, none of us post anything interesting. We do, actually. If you have any case suggestions, feel free to drop them over at SusperiaPodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to be part of this podcast, you can also email us. We promise we won't bite. Ciao! Ciao.